welcome to the Family Bookshelf. My name is Amber from AmbitionsForChrist.com, and with me is my husband, Nick, the Game Schooling Dad. Okay, so today we're going to kick off. I'm going to do something a little different, I guess, today with mine. Instead of going through three different books, we're going to go through seven books that are in a series. Sure. <laughs> and this series is probably one of the most well-known classic kids series ever, The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Yeah, Lewis. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to just do a run-through today of, and talk about ones we liked from the series and ones we didn't like, and even where we differ a little bit on them. So the first one in the series, I know everyone knows The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and most people actually assume it's the first one, and it's technically not. It's the first one he wrote, and that's what he wrote for, I think, his granddaughter? I'm not exactly sure. I okay. Don't quote me on that. Maybe nieces and nephews. Might have been. Yeah. But um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is actually second in the series because of timeline the magician's nephew comes first and the reason is it's actually the creation story of narnia i actually remember really liking this one the whole the way the the witch got to narnia the way aslan created narnia as he spoke and the imagery from it was always beautiful i always found it interesting the the world between the worlds or whatever where they're the woods between the worlds i guess and they like jump into the different ponds and they have to you know switch out their rings to go between the different places and i don't know it always made me curious like what's in the other ponds like why can't they go jump <laughs> right. in that one and and that was actually my problem with it because uh, i didn't care for this one because not only do i want to know what else is going on but the places that they go they don't give near enough information of like what is this there's like one mm-hmm. if i remember right is like everything's encased in stone mm-hmm. but we don't ever solve like why is it encased in stone why is it like this right you know what is your point here is you're doing this right and well and i think the harder part is because we do know with c.s lewis you like it's such a spot on allegory for so much stuff it's like what is he trying to say with this what is he trying to say with this sure. and some part of me is like wait a minute was he really trying to say something with this or was this just like some fun part of the story he threw in as he wrote the creation story for narnia you know and so it's kind of hard sometimes for me to maybe figure out where he's just having fun with his imagination and where it's like he's actually trying to make some sort of like maybe deeper point and well, i can't I quite he's always tell. always making a deeper point well he's, just, he's c.s lewis he <laughs> probably <laughs> is <laughs> he just, it, that was my problem is he just it's not exp- it's not necessarily explained in a way that i can understand it we're just going th- so fast through these things right and then the whole idea with i don't know the, the witch coming out and all this it, it, i did not care for the missions of you i thought it was boring i thought it was funny i still remember giggling over the part where um the witch actually comes back with them to like london or whatever and she's like storming through the streets and like having a fight with the light posts and different things and you know the idea of the two different worlds colliding and them having to try to get her away and i don't know i found it just very (laughs) humorous and funny i think it was also interesting because they have a nod to the fact that um so we'll go on to the next one the lion the witch in the wardrobe and what's interesting is at the end of the magician's nephew an apple tree grows from a seed that the little boy brought back yeah and then the wardrobe is built from, from that the tree. Wood of the tree, yes. And then there's this professor who owns it. Well, you kind of get the idea that that little boy maybe grew up to become is the, the professor. professor. Yeah. So he knows what Narnia is. And so when these children start describing Narnia in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, he realizes they're not lying. Yeah. They're not making up a story. They're telling the truth. And there is this other world, world in and the I, wardrobe. And I really like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's 
It's just a classic. classic. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a little slow for my taste per se. I like something that goes a little quicker maybe. Right. Um, especially we read it with the kids just a month ago maybe. Just a couple months and ago. It's like, yeah. It reminded me just how slow it was just to get started. <laughs> right. You know, it's like back in, back out, back in, back out. Well, and, and like, what I think I didn't realize was how long it takes for Aslan to join the story. Yeah. Because the kids kept asking, where's Aslan? Where's Aslan? Because we had been talking about Aslan and they were wanting Aslan to show up and we realized – the longer we read and the more chapters we read, it's like, Aslan is not in this book. Where's Aslan? <laughs> and I think that was just the fun part. But, I mean, the the redemption story in this one is what oh, makes it beautiful. the classic. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, the kids grasped it right away of, you know, Aslan had to die for Edmund's decision, for Edmund's sin, in a sense. And, you know, his selfishness caused this to happen and... He had to win him back from the witch mm-hmm. because that was the only way. The and kids I, got it perfectly. It was. It's written out beautifully. It was. And it's written in such just this magical way, and it catches their breath. And, I mean, from us reading the story to us even watching the movie with them afterwards, they were just they were on the edge of their seats every time, and it was awesome to see it. <laughs> and I love how they interact with this story. And it's the reason it's the classic of yeah. the series. And for it's that done reason. so well. It's done so much better than the movie. The movie just doesn't quite get it, but... At the end, I mean, mm-hmm. Aslan is resurrected. He comes back, and the book is over. It's yes. like one, maybe two chapters left, mm-hmm. and it's that fast. There's no big battle. The battle's over. I mean, Aslan's yeah, Aslan won. Aslan won. <laughs> He's come back, and this, the witch knows she's lost, and the battle's over. Yeah. So, you know, the movie doesn't seem to get that. <laughs> yes. The battle takes forever in the movie. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. This is just a, it's a classic for a reason, because it tells the Christian story well. It does the... It just narrates everything beautifully, I think, and I oh, was I just think so. and it's scary, t- it's emotional. I mean, I, if I remember right, I was I was crying when I was reading it. I know it was we're getting choked up, and it's like it, it's a line, it's a line. <laughs> like, uh, it's like we're all getting teary eyed. Oh, okay. And that's what makes the next two really hard for me to talk about because I don't remember them hardly. I remember them a little bit. But I remember it's like quite bits and pieces. Yes, because from... I like I can tell you all about Magician's Nephew. I can tell you all about Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But then we get to the Horse and His Boy, and I kind of remember this is a kid named Shasta, I think, that like gets a, a horse, horse, and he has to travel like a huge distance on this horse. Very. He's quickly. running away from like his. A, a master, I think. A master, think he's away so, from his master, yeah. But, and there's like a. And the only thing I remember really is there's a one point in time where I think he gets slashed in the back, or the horse gets slashed, and then when he gets to this final destination, Aslan has to slash him to like repay for the slash that the horse got. And oh. it's like that's all I remember. Because, but that being said, I don't even remember that part. I do remember liking this one. I remember there was enjoyment. Now again, this is one I haven't had a chance to read with our own kids, so that no, probably doesn't help. Yet. Um, it's also been probably at least 10, maybe even 15 years before we were even married. It was before we were married, so it's been more than 10 years. And I'd say it's been at least 5 to 10 more before that was the last time I read this yeah. one. Because I enjoyed it, but not enough to go reread it. No. I've reread several of these <laughs> more recently than that. And so I, I'd say it's probably a good story. It just doesn't draw me in or engage me the way the others did. And same with the next one, Prince Caspian. Okay, if the title of Prince Cassian wasn't in here, I probably still wouldn't even remember the guy's name that was <laughs> in the story. I mean, that's how bad this one is. Like, I remember uh, tidbits from Horse and His Boy. But then we get to Prince Caspian, and I'm just like, I know they even made a movie out of it, and the movie bombed, and I remember sleeping through it. That's about all I, I can tell you Prince about Caspian Prince Caspian. Either. It's a big step down, which is sad, because you know every one of these things is so allegorical, like you just said right. a minute ago. And he's making a point, and he's making a very 
theological point, mm -hmm. but it's so either muddled or so boring that I can't yeah. get through it anyway. Well, and I'm looking forward to going back and rereading it with the kids in the future here and see if maybe I draw more out of it and can sure. remember. If we do, maybe I'll come back and talk about it then. <laughs> maybe now that I've studied the Bible a little bit more and I understand things a little bit better about the Lord, maybe I'll get it more and maybe seeing it through their eyes well, and, and seeing maybe, them engage with it. Right, because unfortunately I've always read this from, I guess, the point of at least teenage and younger. So that's a lot different in my point of view, too. Right, I'm sure. a lot different than a five-year-old and how right. there he's going to engage with this. Right. So. so, and then comes probably one of my top favorite ones. The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. This one was good. This, this one was really good. I just remember really enjoying it. The characters in it were awesome. The, how they even get there. The <laughs> the whole story of you know, them falling through the painting. and Sure. It's just a totally different... It, it brings me back to that Narnia world. I think the other two... It's weird. Like, they don't discuss how they get to Narnia. Like, they're just already in Narnia. Prince Caspian might. They I think might. it also has to do with Peter and Susan. Although I believe this is the last time Peter, Peter Susan, and Edmund get to come. I think it's like, because, yeah, from then on, it's like only... Lucy comes, I think, one more time. And I and think then... that's in The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Yes, Lucy with, and with Edmund, the... I do think, get to come in this one for is one final trip Treader? or something. Okay. Eustace is introduced. But and Eustace... actually, really, who is introduced is Ripicheep. Reap a Cheap. Reap a Cheap is I, yes. fantastic. And they go to all these different islands and they have all these different adventures and see all these things. And every one of them is allegorical. It is. <laughs> well, and I think because, I mean, the idea is basically it's an allegory to their their issues, their their own personal sins that they struggle with and different things, I thought. is that Am I remembering it right? I don't, now you're getting past what I remember. Okay. <laughs> I but, remember them sailing to the end of the world and Rip a Cheap getting on a boat and sailing out. And I just remember I know. Rip a Cheap because I, I love Rip a Cheap. I mean, who doesn't love? He's so sweet. You know? He's like this galleon. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, he melts your heart. Yeah, I remember that this one being really good. And I think, again, the movie version they did of it was actually really good of this mm -hmm. one. This was the best movie they did. But as I remember, and again, it's been 10 plus years, so don't quote me for sure. But what I remember about it was like that they were fighting like these different sins and how they were having to deal with their own sin nature and different things like that a lot. It's what I thought it was. So hopefully I'm not totally misquoting you. <laughs> but I just remember that being very engaging and convicting and a sweet story and they all had a lot of character growth through it which was what was really cool because you kind of see Edmund and Lucy they're not little kids anymore they're growing up they're you know becoming true kings and queens of Narnia and all this and it's just really cool to see that growth the character arc happen yeah. um and I guess that's just why that one's always stuck with that me a lot more me. so than obviously it's probably the, the third best and I would say The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is the second best because we're getting to the first one, the best one here in a little bit. <laughs> yes, we have one more in between here. Yeah. The Silver Chair, which we're back to like ones I'm like, I kind of... I remember the story, them traveling down <laughs> to, I, I'm pretty sure it's an allegory of hell, to save, it's the prince, and he's tied to this chair, which makes him lie and say all these things that he doesn't mean. And when they get him released from the chair because he doesn't want to be released, then they climb back up and the whole place is flooding and they have to go quickly. You remember more That's than I That's the story did. that I remember. But again, I don't remember anything else about it. That's how little it stands out to me. I know. I think what's so hard with the Chronicles of Narnia is like there's some, they have, it's such a weird mixture of like memorable stories. Yeah. You know, if you have the big ones and then you have like these other stories that, while they're not bad stories, they're just not... I guess overarching, well, huge. We're about to talk about the last one, which is the best one in the series. And yeah, I so read that ten years ago too, and I remember a lot of that. That's <laughs> yeah. the difference because I—it's not like I've read the other ones. Well, yeah, we just read *The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe* a month, a month or so ago, but these others I've read ten years ago, and I still remember 
the, the last, last battle. <laughs> but I don't remember the other, what do we got there, five? Yeah. It's like, uh, how little of a, you know impression did they make? But the last battle, and I, I hate to skip, if there's anything else you want to no, talk about, the silver nope, chair. No, go for it. Go talk about the last battle, because it's far and away, I think, probably the best one oh he did goodness, in this series. Oh my goodness, it's fantastic. It yes. is so cool. I just, I, I love it so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From the very beginning, you have a, a zebra who puts on a fake lion suit and <laughs> pretends to be Aslan. You know, immediately you get the allegory of you know the Antichrist and the false believers and mm-hmm. the fact that he's drawing in these crowds who really he has no claim on and can't see and can't get, you know, and, and actually they hide him most of the time. He's hidden mm-hmm. away so you can't see him because he's clearly, if anyone looks at him, clearly is not Aslan. He's a zebra, if I remember right, dressed as a lion. He's a false and a fake one. Right. I just remember, I. this was the story, I. what I remember about it was where we were at the last time I re- heard it read aloud was I was working at uh, Summit, and the, one of the staffers would read a chapter to us every night after the students had gone to bed, and like we'd all gather downstairs and read it. And I just remember, it's like, I'm in a room full of people that are like 18 to 30, 40 years old. And... We're all sitting there like little kids still just hanging on every word and just flabbergasted with the story. And it was like, this is a powerful story because it's technically written to children. <laughs> and yet the the truth in the story was, and it was just one of those powerful stories that just grips you. And it blew me away. And I just remember falling in love with the story because I don't think I enjoyed it so much. Again, when I was a kid, I didn't connect with this one as much probably. I didn't quite understand why, yeah, why is he dressing in an Aslan sure. costume? Why is, like, there's different things like that that just didn't connect to my brain as a kid. I mean, it was a fun story, but it was just that. It was kind of just that fun story, and then it stopped. And I, I read this one 10 years ago in the city, in Canyon City, in the mm-hmm. classroom. So it's like I didn't really have a big emotional moment around this. I just remember the story. Right. Uh, a big battle, a big battle builds up. I don't entirely remember how, you know, but you have two sides, people who are, faithful to Aslan, who are the much smaller group, and the people who are faithful to the false Aslan, which is the much larger group, and they have a big battle, and everyone everyone is killed right. at the end of it. And there's a few moments that I really remember sticking out to me. One, there was a guy, and I think it's a, I think it's a metaphor for a Muslim, and he actually gets... Um, he demands to see Aslan. He demands to see this false Aslan and look at him and see him. And he wants to see the truth. You know, he wants to know. And, you know, he gets to do it. And I, what I remember is he actually gets to heaven at the end. And, and I remember thinking for the longest time, are, is C.S. Lewis saying there's there's two ways to heaven here that you can mm-hmm. do this? Because I think Aslan has a moment where he says, you know, I am so good that you don't understand how good I am. You know, mm. and the fact that this man had true faith in this thing, and it wasn't just a false faith. And I still struggle with that. I still ask a lot of people who <laughs> like these books, what did he mean right. when he said that? Because well, it's still and, something. I mean, C.S. Lewis himself, there's probably things that we would not agree with oh, him on no theologically. Means, yeah. And so it is interesting when you're reading the Chronicles of Narnia to be like, ooh, what point is he making here? Oh, yeah. You know, and he I held think. probably some very controversial views. One of the ones, another one that stands out to me, Susan who was oh. in the other two books, you know, she does not make it to heaven. She loses her faith and loses Spoiler her salvation. Spoiler This book is 50 years old. Come on, if you haven't read it, you... <laughs> <laughs> but still, I mean, it's one of those things where it's just... It shatters you. Because yeah. it, it ruins almost... The, what, I mean, we were watching The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and, you know, the kids are, you know, oh, Susan, and I'm, like, saying they're already getting teary-eyed for Susan, because I'm like, I know the ending. She I know doesn't she doesn't... It. You know, actually end up believing in Aslan, and it's 
that's a very Tragic. controversial view in Christianity. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a ton, and not not the least of which is like a John MacArthur, Vadi Bakum, you know, very strong Calvinist, once saved, always saved. They would right. not agree with that. C.S. Lewis was an Arminianist. <laughs> <laughs> you could lose your salvation. Right. So, you could lose it. You could walk away from it. Again, you could this choose this, away from it, I guess. You know, big step backwards. This isn't the Bible. Right. This is some guy writing a, a, a neat story. Right. So, you know. But that it is said. fun because it does start those conversations, sure. too. And I think those are hard conversations that sometimes Christians have to have these conversations. What do we believe? Why do you believe it? Oh, we should be having these conversations and constantly. I, I think theology, especially within Christianity, is something that we almost tiptoe around because it's like, oh, that's something that the pastor talks about. No one else ever should touch it. Yeah. And it's frustrating because, yeah, then we end up getting these little poof Bible studies and different things. And, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia does a really good job of kind of bringing those theology topics to life, (laughs) I guess, in a fun way. And it does. It starts these kind of good conversations, and I love that. Because and I'm going to go back because, you know, there's other things that stick out to me, that, which are also start all these conversations. If I, remember, I think they're, they're gnomes or maybe there's dwarves, and they actually get to heaven, but they're so tired and mad of being tricked <laughs> and frustrated. They sit in a circle, close their eyes, and sit there. And that's all they're going to do. They're not going to open their eyes. They're not going to believe anything anyone says anymore because they're so sick of being tricked. And it's like they're in, they're in heaven, and they, they refuse to open their eyes, and they refuse mm. to engage with what's around them. I remember that. It's like wow, that's powerful. And I don't you know I don't know whose that is. And and you know the one I remember really much because you brought the tear to my eye and made me cry. I was just crying, crying in class. <laughs> you know, at this point in time is the bear, uh, and the bear oh. just dies. And he he lays down and he doesn't understand why he was fighting. He doesn't understand what he was doing. Doesn't understand what's going on. He just knows he's hurting and he's in pain and he lays down and dies. And it's like oh, I'm about to cry right now thinking about <laughs> it. The bear dies, but he wakes up in heaven and he finds a a, a fruit tree or something and he starts eating the fruit and he's happy as can be. Just ha- it's all he wanted, all he ever desired was just sitting at this tree eating this fruit. And it's like he got everything he ever wanted, right? And, yeah. you know, then the kids, they actually get to meet Aslan. They go walking with him and mm-hmm. further up and further, further in. Up and and further up and further in. Keep, they start swimming up these waterfalls, oh. you know, and it just gets – every level they go, it just gets bigger Better. and bigger and more opulent and more beautiful and more perfect. And, I, I mean, it's like, wow. You know? I just remember, yeah, because I didn't even just, you know, you're you, – at the end, I just remember it's like you're just longing for heaven and you just – you want that. You know, you want to go be face-to-face with Jesus at the end of this and – Oh, yes, you want to look up your quote. Okay, yeah. sorry. He has to go look for his quote, his favorite quote. Um, I just remember the, there's one of the, I mean, this is just that story that I think as a Christian, sometimes we do, we get bogged down in earth, <laughs> you know, of there's the day-to-day grind. And we kind of forget the, the joy of what's coming. Yeah. You know, what, as a Christian, what are we working towards? What are we looking forward to? And I think the last battle, what it does so well is, for me at least, was to, like, remind me of this stuff here, not the end. You know, the dirty dishes pile, all that stuff, not the end story. You know, that's, this is just a blink of the eye in all of eternity. And it's amazing when you think about what heaven's going to be. And, you know, our imaginations can't even begin to fathom it. Would so. it bother you if I read the quote and oh, ended on the quote? Oh, please do and make me cry <laughs> a little bit. But for us, for <laughs> this is the end of all the stories, and we can mo- we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. <laughs> all their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. <laughs> 
just makes you long for that yeah. day, you know. <laughs> like I said, that ending just gets me every time, and I love it because of that. It's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. So, <laughs> ah, the Chronicles of Narnia, it hits you. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, thanks so much for joining us today as we shared uh, th- some of our thoughts on one of our favorite children's classics, The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to drop us a line. You can always reach out to me at amber at ambitionsforchrist.com or you can find us on Facebook at The Family Bookshelf. Be sure to hit like and subscribe so that you can hear our future episodes. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Have a good one.